Golf and rock and roll? Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway Don't want no hackers to get in my way The boys and me got a big NASA going We were born to drive It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Sean Gorgon from... Whole game of golf academy. Down at Dewey Sports Bar and Grill, low CN. You are the man. You're the woman. The myth, the legend. So is Zach. Zach oh my God, Johnson, two-time major champion. He is, and um, to quote Zach, humbled, grateful, and honored to win the Claret Jug. I have goosebumps, Holly. He, I'm going to uh, cry. I like he cried for six minutes. And the, the greatest. One of the best little speeches ever. I have a tape. Watch it five times now. And um, just emotional after not only finishing off the final round and wow. putting an unprobable, improbable birdie putt in on 18. Wow. Yes. To like get Jack himself, Nicholas. I think you saw Jack Nicholas do that a couple times. To get him in the playoff after... Um, a tough bogey on 17. Almost par. Where he, you know, slipped yeah. coming out of that I got, yeah. hybrid wood or yeah. whatever he was using. 17 probably playing, you know, the t- uh, was the toughest we'll hole say the whole tournament. We'll just say it was a 4.75. Sounds good. But um, really uh, a quite, quite, quite an amazing finish. The tournament itself, you know, the Open, St. Andrews, of course, the, the Home of Golf. The World Open. Um, and... Needless to say that at the home of golf, we had the weather, we had uh, the delays, we had no golf on Saturday, so I I didn't know what time of day I was watching golf, and still trying to figure out what day the tournament was finishing. Was it Tuesday or Monday or Sunday? (laughs) Monday. Okay, who cares? I was still calling the, trying to figure out when the third round was, which was Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but just, I mean, when you looked at that stacked leaderboard, I, I think this is what the majors have become, it's, Sean. Yeah, it's a anybody thing, and Jordan's in there for the third time. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure. My goodness gracious, what an amazing person, yes. performance, and gentleman. Pursuit of history, seeking his third straight major. It's, you know, there were so many storylines. You, you want to give everybody equal time, and one shot out of, you know, Short, one shot short of history. We can go back and say, gee, you know, his putter disappointed him a little bit with, uh, yeah. you know, a few. Five times, five putts in the, one of the rounds there, you know. But a few three putts and actually uh, I think you would call it a four putt on number eight <laughs> on, on Monday. We know you just can't do that and win the Open Championship. 
it doesn't help the situation unless you are something as far as what some sports writers are saying, the it factor and you hit the ball 350 and have 24 putts around. But we have Jordan who is solid, solid, smooth, solid. He was still there and finished one shot short. Speaking of uh, super power hitters, DJ... It looked like at one point, of course, all the media saying that he was going to, again, power, was pulling for him. power his way through the tournament. Conversations at St. Andrews may be uh, becoming, you know, obsolete because of the power hitters. And yet, um, you know, he just, uh, third round Sunday, a little, a little bit strange. Deflated, um, I would say deflated strain. Kind of maybe felt some pressure of that it was his to because of his long hitting and it was his time and it was, he had some momentum and then and then boom you've had those rounds you you know play very high level competitive golf still and it seemed to be one of those rounds that really is going to test your patience i mean you know he just wasn't making anything and you know it's tough to go around that golf course making par when you know you got to make a move when you know you know for most of the guys you got to make it happen on the front nine yeah, you got to be three four under on the front and you got to shoot 70 under 70 or less for sure so he has you know one of those Kind of off days. Can we say attitude, but like pressure attitude? I think it's something along those, Holly, where all golfers, all levels have those where it's like there's just something missing of joy or fun or you just, something's lack and missing and you just miss the boat. Well, I think it was, you know, testing his patience more than anything. And certainly... Uh, Thursday and Friday's round um, seemed to look like he'd clear the decks in his mind yeah, in terms yes. of what happened at the U.S. Open. Uh, so, you know, that certainly was, um, you know, I, I think everybody felt DJ was was back on track. But uh, he certainly, you know, it, you, it boils down, you got to make the putts. Yes. It's not just about overpowering a golf course, you got to make the putts. Yes, you do. And that's the final thing. And look at the playoff and Zach Johnson, 25, 30-foot putts, boom, boom. Um, Jason Day coming up short. few putts. Rooting for Jason. Yes, me too. So wants that first major. Such an amazing player coming off what he did at Chambers Bay. And Louis, Louis Oosthuizen. Hmm. Louis, Louis, Louis. Shrek. Isn't coming, there a song, Louis, coming, Louis, Louis? Coming just a little <laughs> bit short. Although, you know, just fantastic play in the playoff. And, and Mark Leishman. I think I feel, I felt the worst for Mark Leishman. Had the best two rounds. Last two rounds, yes. Last two rounds of anybody. Could have almost shot 61 on the Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Saturday, whatever, third round. And if uh, anybody was following the coverage, of course, you know, the story about uh, his wife uh, coming very close to, to death with... Uh, with a, a, a serious illness and, you know, seemed like, you know, he was playing from a very inspired place uh, as well. So, you know, as always in the majors, we have all these incredible storylines uh, that uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about tonight because we've got Bob Herrick from ESPN just back from the Open as well as Jeff Babineau and we've got Zach Johnson's instructor, Mike Bender. Mike Bender calling in as well. So we got a jam-packed show tonight. Stay with us. The Golf Insider, 740 The Game. We'll be right back. 
quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank uh, three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back to Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G. I'm joined with one of the best teachers in Orlando, Sean Gorgon from Whole Game of Golf. And we're talking the Open Championship of the world. Hats off to Zach Johnson, the big winner. Golf clap. And a couple of quick announcements. One, as we have been... Telling you for the last couple of weeks, the Golf Insiders VIP golf card now on sale. Uh, you can play 11 of Orlando's best courses. They are nice. For just 99 bucks. Nothing. No hidden fees, no extra charges when you arrive at the course, no sales tax. Legit, 99 bucks. Go to thegolfinsiders.com, click on the banner on our homepage, and pick up one of these cards. It's good till the end of October, and you got a chance to play some really great golf courses, including a course that uh, I was out to yesterday, Champions Gate Country Club, which is not to be confused with Champions Gate Resort. This is a new course by George Clifton. Uh, Clifton Nizel, longtime architects here in the area. And this is an opportunity to play this course because it's going private yeah, and it's in November. Be, I played it with our, our whole section, uh, ECC, and we loved it. It was just a super solid golf course right there in front of you. Fun, enjoyable, fair. And you're going to get a chance to play it if you pick up the Golf Insiders VIP golf card. Just 99 bucks. Check it out. And uh, without any further delay, we're going to go to one of our favorite golf insiders Woo-hoo. just back from St. Andrews, probably filling in a little bit of jet lag, right. Jeff Babineau from Golf Week. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, good, Jeff. How are you? Sean here and Holly. Good. Well, I think, um, I, I don't know, I, f- I felt like I have a, had a little jet lag, Jeff, just trying to keep up with the, you know, schedule and the delays and the no golf, and what was it like over there reporting on this whole thing? Well, yeah, it was a long week. I mean, the rain never let up. It just keep coming, and it would stop, and it would come back, and for a long week, you know, losing a day to the to the wind, basically, and then I played 30 minutes, but it was, uh, it was worth it at the end. I mean, I tell you what, it was a terrific finish, and... You know, and had Jordan Speed go all the way to the end to go, you know, 72nd hole with a grand slam on the line. It was just really exciting. And I know Zach Johnson played great. A lot of guys played great on Monday, and he was one of them. And, you know, 22 holes, I think he had 10 birdies, and he just went on one. Yeah, he sure did. Um, you know, just <laughs> Monday, I keep wanting to say Sunday, but Monday was just uh, mm. fascinating to watch. So many guys, I, I don't know how many, were there like 16 within two shots, Jeff, when they teed off on Monday? It's just, there was a total loss. You know, I, I mean, how we averted a, you know, well, we almost knew we were going to go to a playoff. You know, there's so many people bunched. But, uh, you know, standing there, when I saw 16 made that incredible pod. I mean, he had such a knack for the moment. They said, wow, this kid's going to pass 17 and 38 team and win this thing in regulation. So, you know, he just didn't happen for him. 17 such a brutal hole. There's no par, there's no gimme there. And then he hit a bad drive on 18 and gave himself a poor angle and, 
and you know that second cut spun off the green and with it went his grand slam hope so but there's just so many people bunched stand and guys playing well and a lot of movement on the board so it was a really exciting final day i was saying this is sort of what we've come to expect recently with the majors and i think really emphasizes as we say, the depth on the on the PGA Tour, the amount of guys. Well, hey, the professionals, how about the amateurs? <laughs> you know, there was a yeah. bunch of amateurs contending in this thing, too. <laughs> yes. Hello, Paul Dunn. I really felt sorry for him, you know, kind of uh, kind of collapsing with all the, the weight and the pressure on, on Monday. But, you know, what, what, what a fantastic showing for the amateurs. Oh, incredible. Yeah, and I think it shows you how raised thin the line is between top amateur golf and professional golf. I mean, these guys, you know, 20 years ago, you went out on the PGA Tour and you were so intimidated, and that's not the case anymore. You know, these guys, there's a kid, Austin Bonley, playing this week in the Canadian Open, and, you know, he's an 18 year old kid. I mean, these kids are getting chances to play tour events. You know, Speed played in Dallas. And also, when he was 16 years old, they get a taste, and they're not intimidated. You know, they they think they're ready to get out there and play, and a lot of them are. So, Ollie Snyder Johns being on the board on Sunday was impressive. The Georgia Tech kid and George, Jordan Niebrugge from uh, Oklahoma State, you know, he was impressive. And you know, these kids are, you know, he's trying to make the Walker Cup team, and he's out there competing and on the final day of a major. So. It's just amazing, and it's always impressive. These kids just keep stepping up and, and making a name for themselves, and that's our next generation. Absolutely. Give us a little feel for what the press room was like uh, after the tournament, you know, particularly Jordan, in terms of, you know, the, obviously there were uh, a number of sound bites uh, after, after the event, but um, what, what, was your, what was your big takeaway from, from his press conference? Well, yeah, I mean, it was such a scramble on Monday, you know, because you have speed. I mean, he's sitting next door, and you need to pay attention to him. And he finishes a shot out, and then you have a playoff heading out to the tee. So, you know, yet him finishing, yet Jason Day really has set him. He keeps knocking on the door, and, and these majors are hard to win. It's just really hard with the deficit up there. So, you know, he was up there, he was in, he's a shot out, and... uh you know, the stuff going on. It's just a mad scramble. It's Monday. I mean, we're on deadline with our magazine already. We usually try to put that to bed Monday morning, and we have live golf going on on Monday. So it was a real scramble for us on the fly. And, you know, and then the uh, the playoff was good. You know, Zach Johnson going out birdie birdie was was impressive. And for the second major in a row, we kind of ended it on a missed putt, which is a kind of an awkward, strange way to end it. But uh, that's, you know, Zach's standing in there on the green. Louis Hughes stays and misses a putt, and all of a sudden he's a British Open champion. So, you know, it's a little awkwardness to the ending, but it's uh, a lot going on in a small window of time. Yeah, and that's you know why we say golf is a game of inches. And when you think of how you know, and and hats off again to Zach, just the most gracious guy. Uh, you know, in his one of his comments in the press room was, "Hey, you know, Louis could have very easily been sitting here, as you know, could have any of those guys." When we're talking just a matter of a shot uh, in terms of you know winning that claret jug. Oh, no doubt. And Mark Leishman, I mean, you know, he. All the stuff he's gone through, almost losing his wife three months ago, and he could have walked away from golf three months ago and raised his two boys. And his wife's doing better, and and he's out there playing, almost winning an open. And you know, he had the Aussies hadn't won since Norman had won one in in, uh, in the '90s, so they're trying to get one. And 
uh, you know, they have a good shot with him, and it was just, it was crazy stuff, but it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun at these majors. There's a lot of guys trying to get up there and grab one, and you really have to play great to do it, so, you know, it makes it exciting at the end, and, and uh, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, the Dustin Johnsons and Jason Days, and these guys trying to break through and get one, and it's hard stuff to do. Well, you often hear these guys talk about how tough it is to win on tour, let alone win a major, and that any time they're in that position and win, you know, that they, they, they feel very blessed to be a winner. We, we saw some veterans pop up on the leaderboard on the third round. Padraig Harrington, Retief Goosen faded a little bit on Monday. But uh, as always, there were uh, some some grizzled veterans. Still have the old Sergio gathering there, something Sergio there. Sergio Garcia <laughs> making a run. Right, right. Adam Scott getting in the mix. Yes. Right. Bill Mickelson throwing a great round in there. Phil throwing a great round in. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, when these guys you get north of 40 like Phil, and, you know, he does rise, it seems, at the majors, but you still wonder how many chances you're going to have. And it's fun to him. I mean, he got his major. He got it one of near field of the Open a couple of years ago. But that's that's one event when he goes over there. You don't you just come in front of your mind as a contender that week because He's been over so often. I think he'd been 19 times with one top 10 when he broke through in 13 at Muirfield. But you now he did play well on the last day up until the 17th and, and kind of put his name in there. So I think uh, it builds a lot of excitement for the PGA and what we're going to get there whistling straights in a month. Hey, Jeff, this is Sean Gorgon. I wanted to get uh, the personal feeling of you have that you could share with the viewers of St. Andrews because you're over there and we're watching TV. So what is it really like with the players and you and the press and everything over there? It's, it's inspirational, honestly, because the history there and all the great winners there. And it's kind of neat. You know, I, I followed, I walked 18 holes with Tom Watson on Friday. Mm, yes. At night. And it was really neat. And, uh, you know, when he walked over the bridge, instead of walking up the fairway, the first thing he thought about was Bobby Jones coming back to in 30. <laughs> After he'd won the answer, and that great picture of the whole city, you know, hoisting Bobby Jones up on their shoulders. I got goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, it's just yeah. really inspirational. We, we have a real fun deal over there, the Golf Week gang. We actually stay at the Dunvegan Hotel, which is... A hundred yards from the 18th green. So you have bathroom right showers. Hard. Oh man, it's awesome. <laughs> good showers, good showers, and uh, it's fun. So it's you know the pubs yes. popping at night, and the the city's bustling, and you have the golf there, and it's just and the bagpipes. You know, oh. I, I love. Bagpipes. I love oh, even. Man. I love even as you know they're they're finishing up the round on Monday. That uh, you know here they are you know trying to. Trying to finish off the tournament, and you're hearing the bagpipes in the background. You love it, <laughs> and it's awesome. It just really is. And and you know, you always oh, it's so short, and it's not going to stand up to these guys. I'll tell you what, when the wind was blowing, and those guys turn after eleven, you know, they turn into the wind at twelve. It was their handle. So, uh, you know, the course stood up fine, and and it's it's really cool. They have a great roster of champions, and for Zach Johnson to put his name on that jug. You know, it's just a really, really cool thing. And, uh, Jeff, just, uh, you know, this 17, the road hole, uh, you know, toughest hole. I don't know how many bogeys, uh, you know, it, it it acquired over the four days. But what is it that makes that hole so tough? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a par five, and it's about 500 yards. You have a blind tee shot, so everybody, you can't lose one right there. All of a sudden, you're going to make a big number, so you kind of bail off into the left rough so now you don't have a great lie to 
try and hit a small green in this daunting road hole bunker. So you know, it's basically you know a four and a half hole. If you play that in four rounds and make a couple of fours and a couple of fives, you're probably about the standard. So I think he yielded one bird on Monday. So Speed couldn't even get home. He basically had about 240 yards into that win and thought he could even try to fire off a deck and knock at home. So he was trying to play something in front and make a four. So it's, it's such a hard hole. And then you go to the next hole, that's, you know, 350 yards, and these guys should tear it up. So it kind of gets it right back to you to get a birdie opportunity. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I thought Speed might do it. I might thought he might have the the 4-3 finish in it, which would have been awesome, but uh, didn't quite happen. Zach made a great putt there to, to get in the playoff, and yeah, that was part of history. What were your kind of your final takeaways from from this open, Jeff? I know you've covered many. I, you know, you mentioned Tom Watson. We we haven't even talked about Tom yet in his farewell. Pretty much synonymous with the Open Championship, and you know, also Nick Faldo saying goodbye on right, the Swillican right, Bridge. Faldo. Yeah, yeah, Lang. You know, Barnard Langer walked over on Monday on his last deal, and probably Marco Mira's last time there. You know, Watson wasn't all that sentimental about it. I, I kind of liked his approach. You know, he was he was going to enjoy it. He has so many good memories there. You know, he won five times, but he almost won in 09 at the age of 60 almost. I mean, it would have been, been the greatest sports story ever. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. And uh, it was so close, and he hit the shot. That's the sad thing. He, he hit the shot he wanted to going into 18. It just was... A little firm and went over the green and made five and less in the playoff. But you know, I was uh, thinking, I was 40, ta- sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just saying, like forty years of history for him at that championship. It was just kind of cool to wrap it up there. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I was thinking a little bit about that also when Jordan hit his pitch into eighteen. Uh, you know, that was a matter of inches of that. You know, that didn't pull yeah. back. If that was one inch further, could have settled up there, been a three footer for birdie. You know, that's, to me, again, what makes golf's, you know, inches. so special. Inches. No, inches. I know inches. And I mean, that putt he made on 16, I mean, I, that's one of those ones, had he won, you'd be talking about that for years. I mean, he, that was a really tough three to make, and he makes his 40-footer, and he's standing there, and you're like, wow, he just keeps impressing you, that kid. You know, he's 21. The way he handles himself, you forget that. I mean, he was... He was, he's younger than Paul Dunn, the amateur who wowed everybody there being in contention. And we forget Jordan Spieth's only 21. So he just keeps on impressing you. The fact that that kid with all that, the spotlight and, and heat on St. Andrews and the home of golf, to be, take that to the 72nd hole, and that might be my big takeaway of all, even beyond who won the tournament. I just that, I was really impressed that he did that and took it to the bitter end. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, as always, appreciate your time. Mm, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate all the great coverage at Golf Week, golfweek.com. And uh, we always like to spend time with the one, the only, Jeff Babino. We're so blessed, uh, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Great to join you guys. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. If you could just make it hard. 
We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G along with Sean Gordon from the whole game of golf. And um, as we mentioned in our last segment... We now have on sale the Golf Insiders VIP golf card. Play some of Central Florida's top-rated courses for just 99 bucks. 99 bucks gets you into 11 of Central Florida's premier golf courses. And this card entitles you to one 18-hole round at each one of these fabulous courses with cart. It's valid till the end of October. And uh, if you just go to our website, thegolfinsiders.com, you can click on the banner and... Get yourself one right now. The Golf Insiders VIP golf cart. And speaking of VIPs, Sean. You're VIP, Holly G. Now, this guy is yes. VIP. Considered one of America's top five best teachers by Golf Digest. Based right here in Orlando, Florida. So many accolades, we would take 10 minutes to introduce I'll him. I'll go 10 seconds. PGA Teacher of the Year, North Florida PGA Teacher of the Year a few times, and... Zach Johnson, the champion golfer of the year, as well as master champion instructor, the one, the only, Mike Bender. Congratulations, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. Thanks for the nice intro there. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. I might also add that you had a double win this past weekend with... Uh, Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yes, with, with Chella Choi from the LPGA winning in Ohio. I know, and I was so happy for her. I mean, it was a, her 157th start on the LPGA Tour, and she's come close many, many times, and I just has a great family, and they travel together dad's been caddying for you for her for a long time and kind of their deal was you know he caddied till she won her first event so i don't think he thought he'd be caddying for seven years though <laughs> before that happened right so uh how, you know how are you feeling are you feeling like you won back-to-back majors with these two yeah. big victories yeah i'm, I'm uh, somebody said are your feet back on the ground yet i said nope <laughs> nope and i don't want them to be for quite a while i mean that's pretty neat. Uh, I talked to Zach, um, uh, well, after he won, and then he called me today, and he said, you know, we're going to declare it jug. We're going to pass around to a team member, so we're going to have it down in, down at the academy here for a few weeks, and uh, that's going to be fun to kind of show around and have some neat pictures and so forth. So it's very exciting. Well, you can invite us. You can invite us over, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a little I, live segment. We need to tune up our games, too, like Zach. Oh, my gosh. We can, we can uh, put the claret jug in front of the microphone. <laughs> I think there's, <laughs> Take a a, picture. there's a lot of history in, inside that jug. <laughs> yeah, there is. Hey, Sean, how are you? I didn't, say, I didn't mean to um, not say hello to you. Uh, very well. You? Very blessed to be talking with you, Mike, and congratulations for everything that you've done for the game of golf and so forth. So thank you. Uh, Mike, it's been, a, it's been a, it's a great sport. Mike, you know? Mike, share a little bit about um, it, you know. It's often said Zach is you know probably one of the most underrated, uh, underappreciated, off the radar player. I mean, you know, he was in the mix at at the John Deere. Uh, wasn't getting a lot of the question like Jordan was in terms of you know why was he playing there instead of coming over and 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 playing uh, some early right. rounds. But give our listeners a sense of, you know, who who Zach has become, of course, winning in 2007, the green jacket, and now, you know, a two-time major champion. 
Yeah, I, I always tell I tell him I tell my students once is luck, twice is skill. So now that he's won two majors, it's, it must be skill. But you know the thing that's great about Zach is that he's he's like he's like all of us really. I mean, we all aren't the Dustin Johnsons and the guys who bomb it out there and have these flashy games. And you know, it's as you know, I mean that takes a quite a quite a skill set. And Zach's a guy he just knocks it down the middle and and knocks it on the green and you know he makes putts and. He, he knows how to play, though. He's, he's a little bit like Bernhard Langer from the standpoint that he really knows how to play golf courses using his game. He doesn't try to play a game that he can't do. And he knows that, hey, if my wedge game is on and my short game is on, and he's always been a really good putter. And I think that's the difference what you see in the last yeah. uh, several months with him and him starting to show up on the leaderboards on a regular basis is he is, he is converting more putts, which is – which you know obviously you have to do to to win golf tournaments so it's pretty fun I, you know and i you know it's not bad that he flies under the radar because you know that is just less pressure on him but he does deserve the respect i mean he's had an amazing career and and he's a, one of the most consistent players on the pga tour in year in and year out so um you know i think we all can learn from that Hey, Mike, this is uh, Sean again, and I want to say a couple questions. How do you two prep for a major tournament if there's any difference in just when you guys get together regularly? I think, you know, basically, I told Zach one time, he says, well, I'm going to take a week off before the major to get ready. I said, well, Zach, if that works, why would you take a week off before every tournament? (laughs) You know what I mean? You you can't really take off a week before the tournament and get prepared, but what you do, what you can do, is is prepare for the type of course that yes. the major is going to play on and exactly. be played on, and so you know whether it be a golf course that's really long, so then he might we might do a lot of work with uh, you know his five wood and his long irons and really you know we would put in extra practice on you know what that golf course is going to require in order for him to play good. Perfect. And Perfect. you know as you know the majors you know they get the conditions get tougher they get longer really long and then they you know usually the rough is higher and so it just puts a higher demand on you know and for zach somebody with that doesn't hit it long like him he's got to be on with his wedges and his short game um you know to be able to compete how often do you guys actually get together mike uh we're we're together uh every three weeks um sometimes more but really hardly ever less than that so uh, a lot of times i'll be at sea island if he's at home i'll drive up there my car's kind of got autopilot, you know. <laughs> I leave at 5.30 in the morning, get up there at 8.30 to Sea Island, work till 5.30, and then drive home, get home by 8.30. So uh, I'll do that. And then in the summer months, you know, I'm traveling a lot. So I'm at the John Deere. I'll be, you know, at the PGA. I'll, you know, I'm at the U.S. Open. So, you know, I'm seeing them, you know, pretty much every few weeks. When you look at Zach's swing, Sean and I were talking about this before we came on air. It, it looks, I described it as very compact. And, you know, for a fairly small guy, he just seems, you know, to be able to just, you know, cork it up, if you will, and, yeah. and just get all this power out of what, you know, what you would think was, I mean, if you compare him to, you know, physically to a Dustin Johnson, for instance. And he, yeah. what I think is so fascinating was to, you know, you look at these guys and you see how they go about it and get it done through very different swings, very different types of, you know, hitters. An interesting group that we watched on the final round Monday. 
Yeah, it was, that was so exciting because, you know, it's amazing. We probably could have had 10 different winners of that golf tournament. Uh, but, you know, the thing is with Zach, he, he does have a compact swing, but it's very efficient. And one of the things that I try to do is, you know, is move is try to take compensating moves out of people's golf swing. So I try to get them to swing the golf club on plane and, and make, you know, make the right amount of uh, turn and so forth. So, so that in other words, they don't have all these extra moving parts that they have to have a great timing. So one of the things that he, you know, he's very compact swings on plane and really has a very good control of the club face through the hitting area where he doesn't have a lot of, you know, over rotation or flipping of the wrist and which would require a lot more timing. So, you know, with his swing being simple like that, you know, it, it allows him to spend more time on a short game and his wedge game. So doesn't have to beat balls quite so much to maintain a high level of consistency. Well, I think he had, what, 50% of his holes were, were birdies on Monday. Um, <laughs> and a lot of those those uh, pitches were, were, uh, were sand, sand uh, wedges. Uh, yeah. But you got to, you know, at the end of the day, we all know you got to be able to put the ball. And boy, coming off that bogey on 17, stepping up on 18 and, and sinking an all-world putt. That was clutch. Right. I mean, he made one on Saturday, too, a long bomb on 18. So, he made, you know, those are the types of things that, that allow you to get into contention. And, you know, and, and, and the thing that made it, you know, it's kind of like when he won and he won the Masters that year, you know, the golf course played really, really long. So hardly anybody could reach the par five. So they were all having to lay up in which he, he laid up on all the par fives and he birdied you know, 11 of the 16 of them because he hit his wedges so close. And then you take the British Open, and now all of a sudden with the wind direction and the firmness of the golf course and the, and the type of course, he ended up having a whole lot of wedges in there into greens. And, you know, he hit them in there close and then converted the putt. So it's actually kind of a similar situation as to why, you know, he's won both of those majors. Hey, Mike, as far as uh, for the uh, other golfers and so forth, is there one type of go-to shot, wedge shot that he has or another little something that he has, like a three-quarter or a little low or a little high shot that you could recommend that Zach does? Well, uh, one thing he does is he, 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 hits a, he hits his wedges on the, on the lower side with a lot of spin, and he hits a draw shot. So the ball is always landing on the green, and the ball is spinning towards the hole. And the one thing, too, that I'd like, just anybody out there listening, I mean, the one thing you got to do is you have to have a favorite yardage with your wedge. And usually that's somewhere between that 60 and 80 or might be the 70 to 90 range. And yes. you ought to be really, really good, get really good at one distance, because then you can judge a shot. If you have a shorter shot or you have a longer shot, you have something to kind of gauge where, you know, what, how much force you need and how, how big a swing you need to hit it either a little bit longer or a little bit shorter. Um, you know, and so, you know, that's some just good advice for anybody. Thank you very much. I loved what he said. I'm just a guy from Iowa, blessed with a talent. And I, I noticed, Mike, too, that you grew up in Iowa. Was that, a, was that kind of a connection for the two of you? Right. Must be that good beef and corn, you know. That's right. Have, have some golf talent or something, yeah. So, you know, that's pretty neat. I mean, uh, you know, we've had actually from coming from Iowa, they have such a great junior program in the, in, and, and, and tournament program in the summers. I mean, if you go through a long – there's a long list of people that have played on the PGA Tour that, came, that have come from Iowa, which you wouldn't think of, you know. So, uh, so they're doing some things right with 
you know, growing up there and, and uh, playing a lot of great events. Down-to-earth people. Absolutely. <laughs> nothing, nothing better than the Midwest, where uh, both my folks are from. Mike, uh, this was just a special treat to have you on. I know you've been awful busy the last couple of weeks, the last couple of days, excuse me, and uh, we, we love to have you on again soon. Mike Bender, right here from Orlando. Woo-hoo-hoo. And if, if people are interested, our listeners, to learning more about the programs you offer at the Academy, Mike, uh, where can sure. they go online? You know, just MikeBender.com, that's our website, and it has all of our numbers and uh, information on that. And uh, Or if you want to come out to Magnolia Plantation, come out to the back of the range, and uh, and you'll see the academy there. And we've got, it's kind of, we've got some neat memorabilia, and it's a pretty special place. So, and the Claret Judge uh, coming up there, too, huh? The Claret Judge. It will be there. It definitely will be there, yep. Well, I've... Uh, I've, I've, I've I, I thank a lot for having me on, and, uh, uh, you know... Look forward to doing it again. I think, uh, you know, Zach's emotional... Um, you know, reaction after this was all over was something I I won't forget. I think it gave uh, just a lot of people goosebumps. He's so gracious, so humble, and as are you as one of our our best teachers in golf. Thanks, Mike Bender, and congratulations. You deserve it all. Thanks again, you guys. You guys have a great night. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, Mike Bender, Zach Johnson's victorious swing coach. Wow. Lots more golf talk. Lots more about the British Open, the Open Championship, St. Andrews coming up. Stay with us. We've got more golf talk coming up next. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. We're back with Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk. Holly G, along with Sean Gorgon in the house. Don't forget, the Golf Insiders VIP golf cart on sale now. Play some of Central Florida's top-rated golf courses, only 99 bucks. And, I mean, we got so much stuff going on on our website right now. Uh, we have a special junior golf camp that if you know any junior in your life, whether uh, you've got an aspiring uh, son or daughter in your family or you know someone that has one, this is an $1,850 value to attend the Gary Gilchrist Summer Golf Academy in August. Go online to thegolfinsiders.com to register. Click on the banner for the Gilchrist Academy, and uh, you may have a lucky junior win this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Check it out, thegolfinsiders.com. And without any further delay, we're going to one of our main insiders. He's back from the British, the Open Championship working his tail off and giving us a few minutes tonight. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you? So when did you get back? Got back late last night and uh, still sort of trying to recover, but um, feeling a little bit better now, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I was, I was saying uh, my, my timetable was all off between, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and the, the shifting of the tea times. Yeah, I think you felt like, even if you were watching it on TV, that you were almost there. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. There was a lot of logistical um, issues this time. I mean, it was unfortunate. Obviously, uh, uh, that was that was a strange deal on Saturday, losing, you know, ten and a half hours of play, like, uh, like, like they did. But um, you know, uh, it really made for a compelling Monday. I think once everybody wrapped their arms around the idea of it just going to Monday, you know, I think it it probably worked out better than trying to force in thirty six holes on Sunday. That's that's uh, that's tough, and you'd have been crowning a champion in, in in the dark. And obviously, if they go to the playoff, as it worked out, I'm not sure they would have got it in. So, exactly. Uh, all in all, I thought it ended up pretty well. I thought it worked out fine. Yeah. And I, I think when they do those stops and starts, and they really can't, you know, get into what what the schedule is going to be. That once they kind of, you know, let it let it go, and knew they would have the open day, uh, you know, the, it 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 changes things, don't you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, it would have been a real rush, I think, to try to, you know, to try to get it all done Sunday. You know, basically, you know, every I don't know that they could have even started the third round on Saturday night. Uh, it actually didn't end until, you know, uh, almost 10 o'clock after 9. You, you really wouldn't have been able to, to start, so you would have had to try to, you know, do that all in one day. I just don't know that that was, would have been a good idea. Um, it, uh, you know, I think there were some people wondering why they didn't try, but in the end, you know, it's a hard, hard tournament, even over 18 holes for one day. And I, I think they got that part of it right. We might be able to argue about some of the rest of it, whether they should have even played at all Saturday. You know, that could have affected Jordan Spieth. Um, you know, it's uh, very unfortunate that, that it got to that that it got to that situation. A couple of uh, you know questions. I, I, I want to get to actually Dustin Johnson because we haven't talked a lot about him tonight. But um, I, you know, the thing that impressed me the most the minute I saw it when they, the the cameras went to him was Jordan and his caddy sitting there on the 18th watching the playoff uh, after he's just come one shot shy of making history. I mean, you know, talk about who this kid, I, I, you can't even call him a kid, really, because, you know, he, he just seems so way beyond his years. But, you know, that kind of class, sportsmanship, I mean, I, I was uh, just amazed. Yeah, I mean, it's, you sit there and you go, uh, uh, you know, he just almost does no wrong. Um you know, nobody would have been bothered a bit if he hadn't been there. It, I don't think it would have even been a thought, you know, but the fact that he was, um, you know, was a really nice gesture and, uh, you know, showed, showed something. Because obviously, I don't know if he was devastated, but he certainly had to be really bumped. I mean, it was right there for him. And, uh, you know, when he made the birdie on 16, the long putt, my thought immediately was, He's going to win the tournament with a birdie on 18. You know, it's just it's going to, it's all set up for the incredibly dramatic ending where the guy wins with the birdie on the last. And you know, the way it worked out, it, it, that that was very much in play. If he, if, of course, he didn't par the 17th, and then he didn't birdie the 18th, and 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 those are those are the two shots that are separating my little scenario there. But those things were very very possible. I mean, he missed a six footer on 17. It was a treacherous hole the last day but he gave himself a great chance to make par i mean the hole was almost like a par five really i mean you had to be thinking of it like you know making a four is like making a birdie and then on 18 um 
you know, I, I think if if you have the ability to freewheel that and you know that Parr's in a playoff and a birdie wins, I'm not sure he hit it, would have hit his tee shot where he did. I think he was trying so hard to be so fine, um, and, and and I don't think that was the greatest angle. And then, of course, he didn't hit the greatest second shot. He, that was kind of a... You know, you're you're really hoping and praying there for that to to try to make the, the birdie putt from where he was. Yeah, and he said he was. I found this interesting because I guess he was at a, about 101 yards or something. And I think I heard Azinger say something like he would have been more comfortable, you know, at 90 something. Uh, you know, of course these guys are so dialed in. But uh, you know, he said he was in between clubs. I, I found that really interesting. Well, the, the wedges he was in between clubs there, as far as which one he needs to put it up on top of the shelf or where he could. He didn't want to hit the one wedge maybe too far to give him a 20-footer. He wanted to get that probably 15 feet in or 10-footer in. What do you think there, Bob? Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, I, I guess you could be between wedges. You know, you you, you don't want to be hit. I, I don't, I'm not sure you want to be hitting a finesse shot there or, a, you know, a three-quarter shot. Or um, it, it, I think you wanted to hit something hard. Um, and, you know, like you, like you just said, you you hit one hard, you're going to be too far. You hit you hit the other one hard, and it's going to spin back. And I think that's what we saw. Um, he wasn't able to, you know, get it in that in that position where uh, he could give himself a putt. You know, even the putt that Zach Johnson gave himself, which was above the hole, you know, I think that was easier to make than the one that Jordan gave himself from down below. So, um, yeah, it's just too bad that he didn't give himself a better run at it there. And uh, uh, but, I mean, you just have to give the guy tons of credit for even being there. I mean, from the first hole on Thursday, you know, he birdied the first. He actually birdied the first two until his, you know, basically his last shot. He was he was there with a chance. It's uh, it's remarkable that, that, that uh, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, he could have just finished 30th or something and never been in the tournament. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, after round two, of course, a lot of uh, being written about DJ possibly running away again with this t- with this tournament because of his power and how uh, he seemed to, you know, be dominating the golf course on Thursday and Friday, and yet, you know, we saw what happened, a uh, mediocre round on um, Sunday. I'm trying to keep the days straight. Around. And then, you know, just uh, not a good round on, on Monday. Uh, you know, what, what is your takeaway in terms of Dustin, and what's it going to take for him to, to break through and win a major? This is starting not to look good in terms of his psyche. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, now if anybody seems to be um – uh, bothered very little by something like that, it would be him. Uh, I'm not sure that it's been weighing on him that much, and maybe that's why he seemed to have such a good attitude going in and why a lot of people thought he, he was in perfect spot. I mean, uh, you know, he he uh, he made it look easy those first two days, the way he played the course and and got the got the 36 hole lead, and and you're just sitting there thinking, okay, you know, this is. Uh, this is going to be no big deal for him. He'll, he'll be there. And all of a sudden, it was just gone. Uh, and it's and I don't know what happened, really. Uh, you know, the way he played, uh, you know, it kind, of, it kind of fell apart for him on the back nine on, uh, on Sunday. You know, he's still hanging in there. He hadn't, he hadn't uh, done much, uh, you know, through, you know, playing in the last group. He hadn't done much. But, but he still, you know, was in the tournament. And then he kind of he fell apart coming down the stretch, shot 75. And now puts himself in a position to where he needs a good final round, 
and, uh, and shot 75 again. I mean, I believe he was tied for 49th. It's just um, it's puzzling what happened there, how he kind of lost his game. And and uh, I don't know if he lost his fight or if he if he um, yep. you know uh, it just didn't didn't keep plugging away because uh, you know and really until until you know after a few holes on on Monday he was still in the tournament. I hear you, Bob. We got to wrap it up. Sorry, uh, sorry, but um, yeah, another fantastic major, another fantastic Open Championship, and as always, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank Bob you so much, Bob. Herrick Thank from you. ESPN.com. Thanks, guys. Get some sleep. <laughs> Go play St. Andrews. All right, Sean. Uh, final thought. Who's going to win the PGA Championship? There, Holly G. Take Ooh. a breather. Let's just stay. Your prayer. Jordan. I'm going to root for Jordan. Three out of four. Not a bad year. I'm going to go for Black black Dark Horse Sergio. All right. The Golf Insiders. We're <laughs> out of here. Thanks for listening.